from the book of from the book of Genesis the Lord said to Abram go go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And from the book of Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came on everyone because of the many wonders and signs that were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to as any had need. Day by day, they spent time in the temple. They broke bread at home, ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of the people. Day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for all that you have done already in our midst today. For the music, for the talented musicians, for the songs that have inspired us and stirred our hearts for the words of wisdom and prayer and concern. And now for this word that has been read, may it go forth to touch our hearts so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable unto you. O God, our strength and our help. Amen. I don't know a whole lot about construction. I don't have a lot of those gifts and graces. Uh, I can look at blueprints. I can tell you a little bit. But I've learned about something called a conduit. And there's some in this room, you can look up, a conduit. Do you, do you know what a conduit is? Thank you for the picture up there. But it's something that connects two or more objects or experiences at the same time. It's the way in which something is transmitted and passed on. It's the container. It's the vessel. It's the vehicle. Now, a few years back, 10 years exactly, something happened to us called Katrina. Katrina was devastating. Every one of you in this room, I bet, have a Katrina story. I'm not going to bore you with mine. I was a Meridian, and for, for eight days, my church at the time hosted almost 200 evacuees in our family life center. Everybody's got a Katrina story. And I remember talking to one of, the, of you here at Parkway who lived out in a community out, out west and said, you know, everybody came out of their houses. Ordinarily, we don't see each other that much during the, unless you're maybe walking your dog or walking in the mornings, you might see somebody. Every once in a while, if you're on your front porch, but a lot of people in his particular neighborhood had patios and, and nice kitchens in the back and outdoor places. And so you don't see each other. But when Katrina happened all over this state, people came out and we shared resources. 
and we, we looked after our neighbors and, and we continue to do that. And many of you went to the Gulf Coast, sent teams to help. It took a Katrina to be a conduit of out of devastation came blessing and shared concerns for our fellow man and woman. Katrina's devastation was matched by yours and mine and other people's extravagant kinds of generosity. We were able to distribute things and send things out as it was needed. We weren't worried so much about me and mine as we were worried about each other. Well, I thought about that because it's also the week of the NBA finals. And I don't watch NBA basketball that much, but I like to watch the finals. My boys and I have kind of gotten into the playoffs. And, and I grew up from the 1960s forward, but I started thinking about a conduit. And I started thinking about how that relates to basketball. Well, when I was in junior high school in high school, I was a point guard. Wasn't a great shooter. And I thought about some of the great point guards in the NBA over the past years. Irving Magic Johnson comes to mind. Bishop Swanson thinks he's like Irving Magic Johnson. He tells his grandchildren to call him Magic Swanson because he's 6'6". And Mer Magic Johnson was a phenomenon. I remember him in college, the great game against Larry Bird with his Michigan State and Indiana State. But they went on to have this great rival. John Stockton, who played with Carl Malone, they were a great one-two punch, kind of Mutt and Jeff. And then today, tomorrow, tonight, you can watch one of the new point guards of the NBA, Stephon Curry, tremendous, gifted. But you know what the point guards does? The, the way in which a team is successful in basketball is they have a point guard who can distribute the ball to the right place, to the right player at the right time so that the team is successful. So in some ways, you're blessed if you have a great point guard. If they can shoot and score, that's a bonus. But if they know how to distribute and send and bless the team with open passes, we call them assists in basketball, then you have a great opportunity. I remember one that used to play at USM, John, named Casey somebody. You probably can tell me his name afterwards. That 1986 team that went to the NIT. Have you ever thought about you being a blessing. I thought about that word blessing. In, in the dictionary, it stands for this. Actions are words of one that bestows welfare, favor, and happiness. It allows others or something to prosper. It comes from the Hebrew word barak, which means to salute or congratulate. Now, in the New Testament, in the Greek, that word blessing is makairos, which means being fulfilled by God's goodwill, to find purpose, to speak will of, and it is the root word for the English translation, translation of the word eulogy, to speak well of. Blessing is to speak and to give and to facilitate goodwill. Now, where do we find that in Scripture? You don't have to look far. Miss Betty just read it so eloquently. In Genesis chapter 12, it is the way in which God decided to bless his created order, to, to bless human relationships, 
There'd been some bad stuff happened in the past with the whole story of, of the fall of Eve and Adam, and, and there was Noah and the flood and all that sort of stuff preceded. And now God has found this fellow named Abram. And he decides that through this one man in his family, in his lineage, he wants to bless the whole world. And so he develops this covenant relationship with Abram. And he says that through you, I will make my name great among all the peoples. He wants to reach the rest of the world. He wants the relationship he has with Abram to flow through him so that God can bless other people. You know what? It's not that God doesn't choose people so that they can feel good about themselves or secure in their relationship with, with, them, with them and Jesus, but rather that the blessing comes so that others will benefit from the relationship Abram had with God. And if you go to the 13th chapter in Genesis, you will see that lived out. Abram and Sarah have a son named Lot, and they go, from, they go down in exile to, to Egypt for a while, and then they come back to this beautiful valley. They have herds. They have wealth with them. And there's not enough land to support Lot's cattle and herds and Abram's cattle and herds. And so Abraham says, okay, you choose. You can choose the Jordan Valley or you can choose Canaan. And Abraham lets Lot go first. And Lot chooses this lush, green, gorgeous valley of the Jordan River where he knows his cattle and oxen and, and livestock can flourish. So Abraham gets to choose Canaan. And you know what happens? God comes to Abraham and says, because you've allowed Lot to be blessed, I'm going to bless you in Canaan. And as far as you can see to the north, to the east, to the west, and to the south, every as far as you can see, I will bless you and continue to make you great. Ultimately, in their old age, God gave Abram and Sarah a son. Lot was a son from another marriage. And through Sarah and Abram, this child was born, Isaac. And then he had sons, and there were 12 tribes. Ultimately, it came forth to become the nation of, of, that God had wanted to bless and he wanted to bless them so that the whole world would know of his generosity and goodness. Now, you take, that's an Old Testament understanding of blessing. God working through an individual, and that individual's relationship with God spills out into generations to come. Go to the New Testament community. And again, what Miss Betty wrote, read a few minutes ago. It's the description and the values of the first century Christians. These were people who followed to dare and defy Caesar. We talked about Caesar last year, last week. It's how the Christian community adopted the language of Caesar is Lord. No one can save you but Caesar. And they dared to be bold enough to say, no, there is another name. Above all names by which one can be saved, it is Jesus the Christ. These people believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the one that God had anointed to bring hope to the whole world. They acted with humble boldness in this risen Christ, who working through them, God would reclaim his dream for the world. They met in houses, as Miss Betty read just a second ago. They met in the temple courts. It would be like meeting out in our atrium 
outside the sanctuary worship places in the temple. They gathered there and they prayed together. They told stories about Jesus and his activity of doing good and they praised God and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they made an incredible impact in the first century. They went about doing good just as they'd heard stories about Jesus doing good. You may remember in the Acts story, it hadn't been long after Pentecost, Peter and James and John are walking and they get by a gate and there's a beggar sitting there and he offers them this cup and they said, silver and gold have I not, but in the name of Jesus, rise up. God was working through these people. Luke describes the generosity among them. They held all things in common, and they saw that no one was in need. This is a direct result of God's generosity of raising Jesus from the dead. It's a direct result of the Holy Spirit's power giving them courage to go and share the good news of hope and true life, even in the midst of the pain and the suffering that they were enduring in first century Rome. The blessing of those early followers was to raise the question to the people out in the community, who's the real Lord? Does Caesar care about your personal needs or are you just a vehicle for taxation? Do you hear me? The question these people lived out is the Lord we profess, the Lord we've given our lives to is the Lord who cares about your needs. They worked together to see that everybody had enough. Again, this was normal. It wasn't crisis, Katrina, everybody make sure and check on it. This was how they lived their lives. If you had little You gave much of your little. If you had much, you gave much of your much so that the health of the community was as important as the health of the individual. We got that mixed up today. You hear me? Rob Bell suggests that the resurrection and the impact of Pentecost was not some abstract idea. It was a concrete reality. Jesus was raised from the dead to bless those who would be a blessing. The best way I can say it in our our 21st century language is they were called to pay it forward. You hear me? They were called to pay it forward. So that others would be blessed and secure and have enough. So what does a blessing look like? Abraham was the conduit. Through him God blessed the world. And through Israel and through Gentiles, they became blessings of expressing God's love by serving other people. Something else God blesses everybody. Remember, God loves the whole world. God is renewing all of creation. That includes people that don't even believe. All kind of people get blessed because God is the source of blessing. No strings attached. You see, God's blessing is born out of love. But when we have an agenda 
There's little room for love, only power. God's the ones whose love has the ability to change. And you and I can be the conduit with love that is laced with wisdom and intellect. There is a scripture Jesus uses, and we try to practice it around here when we're working with folk in this community. Be as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Some folks may never respond because there are circumstances in our lives that sometimes don't even feel like can ever be hurdled. Addiction is a overwhelming hurdle for some folk. Thank God for the open door. Thank God for recovery ministries. Thank God that we get to be part of that in some facet, in some community way here through our church. Physical trauma, abuse, abject poverty. Ann came to speak to the United Methodist men this morning. 1,200 families a month need food through Edward Street, and that's just the ones that get to Edward Street. A lot of hurdles to overcome. There's violence and terror, domestic Community and national. But that's the same world that our ancestors in this first century community lived in. And it was their bold humility that gave them hope that Christ was going with them and transforming them in their witness. For us to continue to infiltrate, I like that word, to infiltrate this community with the desire to love and serve is the best way to ensure God's continued blessing in our ministry. Think about Woodley. Some of you have heard some reports. The test scores keep going up over there because of the relationship that this church has had. But I need to tell you that we can't stop. And in fact, the money that we've used to send food home through the backpack ministry has run out. There's a place and a time for us to give, and maybe next Sunday we start that. We need to continue this summer so that food goes home to those children. We can't control everything, but we have the opportunity to continue being that conduit by which God uses. When school begins next year, they're going to need people to sit in the classroom to be tutors. They're going to need people to read and help teachers who don't have student aides and student teachers there to help them. There are continual opportunities right here around us in this neighborhood so that we can be a conduit of God's blessings. And I guarantee you, if you go and give anytime, God's going to bless you. I think about the people in this congregation who go and have a relationship with our homebound people, people who used to sit where you sit. They were vital to the life of this church, but their health and their age have precluded them from coming again. I know what it's like to sit by, this, by the bedside of a 96-year-old Clint Dellinger who was very active in this church, and he told me something that blew my mind. He said, Pastor, he calls me Pastor. Pastor, he said, 
you know, I get meals from Meals on Wheels today. He said, you know how many years I supported Christian services? How much money I gave to them over the years? And now they're feeding me. How about that? For blessing. Right here under our nose. Let me just say one other thing. Wes Ingram, Dr. Wes Ingram, introduced a ministry here this past year called Team 5-1. The hope and prayer that every one of our children here in this congregation, in this community, that we could be, surround them with five adult faith believers that would be interested, like the Lewises in, in elementary Sunday school. It's, it's the prayer that they follow their third graders or second graders till they're seniors. They're committed to following these children and pouring into them all the love and grace and goodness God can. They're the conduit. And you and I have that opportunity. Let me ask you something, parents of, of preteens and, and, and children and teenagers. How would it affect your family life if you and your children adopted or began a relationship with one of our senior adults that's 70-ish? When we moved to Greenwood and Graham was a year and a half old, his best friend was 78 years old. He was a medic in WW2 in Bougainville. There's a picture of Graham and James in his bedroom on by his bed. Graham's about this tall, and he's got his head leaned over on James. It's his head. I went home one day to, for lunch. James's pickup truck was parked in our driveway. I looked inside it, and there was a car seat. I went inside. I said, James, where'd you get that car seat? He said, I went to a garage sale this weekend. Graham needed something to ride in my truck that was safe. What if, what if parents and young people of our church hooked up, connected with some of our seniors who don't have grandchildren nearby or great grandchildren? Do you know how much they've seen over the past 75 years? How much stories and experiences and life things that they could pass on to your kids? Oh my goodness gracious. What a blessing. What if we just said, look, turn off that thing for an hour this afternoon. We're going to go see Miss Betty or we're going to go see Mr. Bob. Or we're going to invite them over for lunch. Just once a month. Imagine what that might could do and what, it, what kind of blessing it would be for you and for the other persons involved. Well, I, I need to close. But if you're not convinced yet, I want you to look up here. After the supper was over with, Jesus took bread. And then he took a cup. And in John's gospel, before that, he knelt down with a towel. He said, if you want to be a blessing, 
Learn how to humble yourself and serve. I'm so glad to be the pastor of this church because preaching and sharing a sermon like this is not new. It's building on what's been here before and just reminding us that there are always new places and new people that God wants to love through people like you and me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me while my friend David comes to join us and lead us in communion? Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing. So now let us invite, be invited to this table through your grace and goodness and mercy to celebrate the blessings in our lives. Amen.